Greetings from Bishop Aubrey Shines and G2G Ministries in Tampa, Florida. We pray that you would be blessed and encouraged by the biblical message you are about to hear. Today's classic sermon from Bishop Shines is part four of What Stage of Maturity Are You? with reference scripture James chapter 3, verses 13 through 16 in the New Living Translation. If you are wise and understand God's way, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Why? For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are what? Earthly? unspiritual and for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition there you will find what disorder and every evil man that's powerful grab someone by the hand eyeball to eyeball before you take your seat please look at him or look at her and ask them this question you've heard it for the last three weeks ask them what level of maturity do you think you are really operating in hold it don't 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 move don't move turn over to the next hand come on look at it one more just one more say I have one question for you what level of maturity do you think you operate at all right here we go be seated <laughs> Some of y'all already answering. (laughs) What level of maturity? The two key words that I really want you to focus on here is is where we get the word. And if you, and I'm not going to ask that you turn, but that same verse in scripture in the King James uses, pardon me, two words. Please write them down. I gave them to you the other week, but please write this again. It's the word strife. Please write that down. The word strife and the word envy. The word strife, please record it. The word strife and the word envy. This is how the King James reads, by the way. It says, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Why? It says this wisdom doesn't come from God, but it descendeth not from above, but it is earthly sensual and devilish so it goes on to say wherever these two words are if they operate oh boy this is going to be rough so y'all might as well smile and try to get through it wherever strife and wherever wherever envy is if it is in your heart please write this down you are still in stage two if there's envy If there's strife in your heart, you are at level two. Your age and your title means nothing. Well, why why do people then, Pastor, have title? Because God, and please remember this, the Bible says, according to Paul, gifts and the calling of God is without God changing his mind. 
the King James reads, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And what it really means in a nutshell is that God will raise you up. And I hope I gave a good illustration of it last week. God will raise you up and give you specific titles. He will even anoint you in certain areas. But it doesn't mean that you are grown up spiritually. Well, Pastor, I don't see how that is. Well, maybe you weren't here. I'll just give you a little, uh, a quick snapshot here. When Paul addressed the Corinthian church, you always hear me talk about the Corinthian church. The Bible says, according to the Apostle Paul, that the, the, the Corinthian church, and I'm quoting, came behind in no spiritual gifts. It simply meant as it related to a very gifted people, they were very gifted. Paul then enumerated in Corinthians, and, and, and just a little side note, at some point I'll teach this again uh, in the sanctuary. Don't go around telling people that there are nine spiritual gifts. There are over 20 spiritual gifts. Paul only lists nine there in the book of Corinthians. When I was on the road as an evangelist, I would teach this all the time about the 21 gifts of the Spirit. But Paul, dealing with the Corinth church, he began to list uh, the various gifts that they operated in, and yet he turns around and rebukes the same church that was gifted. And again, I quote Paul, Paul said concerning gifts, you come behind no one. In other words, you're the creme la creme as it relates to spiritual stuff. He says, but yet you in stage two. Because he said, your mind still haven't been renewed. So I don't, and, and please hear Pastor's heart. I don't ever want you to judge another brother or sister because they're gifted, and then you see some kind of flaw in their life, and then you try to discount their giftedness. Because God is the one who gives the gifts. And he can give a gift to whomever he wants to give a gift to. And they don't have to be grown up when he gives it. He's God. And he's sovereign. And he can choose to use whoever he wants. Now, you may not think they qualify. But you're not the qualifier. It is God that gives the gifts. So just because a person is gifted doesn't mean that they have grown up spiritually. There are a lot of people that go to church for years. But they're still very much in an infantile stage one and or stage two uh, position. My desire as, as pastor is to make sure that you understand the difference. Because if I can get you to get the difference, it's going to change your life forever. Because then one, one of the things that will do it will take away judgment out of you. Because a lot of us, whether we admit it or not, we love judging other folk. And, I, and if you're honest, we judge other people based on our own merit. We do. We judge people based on what we think we've overcome. But Paul goes on, he has something to say about that as well. Paul says, if you judge yourselves by yourselves... In other words, you're making a bad judgment because you're making you the standard. Touch two people on the shoulder and tell them Jesus is the only standard that there is. That's it. <laughs> oh, I can hear some of you Bible thumpers in here where the Bible says, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright. For at the end of that man, yes, the Bible does say it. But the word perfect in the original Hebrew does not mean perfect as it does in English. It just simply means mature. So anytime you see the scripture, read the word perfect dealing with human beings, please study the verb in the Hebrew. It just simply means that that individual is a mature person, not a person that has perfected. Touch someone one more time and tell them as wonderful as you are, tell them you still ain't perfect. Come on. That's right. We are a perfecting people, but perfect we're not. We all have some element where we're, we're, we're still perfecting 
in that area. It doesn't negate the fact that you're not gifted. It doesn't mean that God has not called you. God can call a child, ask Jeremiah. He called Jeremiah before Jeremiah was even formed in his mother's womb. But yet, how many know that Jeremiah wasn't ready to rule as a prophet until he became mature? And if you study his life, you'll still see some errors that, that Jeremiah mm, had some challenges there. And, and that's true with everyone. So, again, I, I just wanted to make sure that I, I, I put that little quick caveat in there. I, I just didn't want you to leave here thinking, well, she or he has a title. I thought they were supposed to be. No, just worry about you and Jesus. And if you, boy, I didn't get a lot of amens. I guess I need to stay right there for a minute. Please focus on Jesus in your life. Hear me. If you get a hold of Jesus... You won't have a lot of time to worry about what a whole lot of folk are really doing and not doing. Because I'm telling you from experience, your table, your plate would be so filled that, that by the time you finish doing what the Lord called you to do, you won't have a whole lot of time to worry about who ain't doing what. Now, you'll pray for them. But going around, and that's your whole topic, boy, I'm going to deal with y'all because y'all should have said amen right there. Touch somebody and say, it's too late. You should have said amen when he was on that roll, honey. So again, wherever there's envy and strife, there's, the, the Bible goes on to say, and this is, by the way, this is the brother of Jesus here speaking. He says, wherever these two things are operating in a believer's life. Now, and I need you to get this. Please hear pastor's heart. The Bible was not written for the unbeliever. Everybody take your Bible, please, or pad, whatever you have it on phone, whatever it is. Would you lift it up? Let's do this exercise. Say with me, this is a contract. Say or call it a covenant. Say this is for the believer. Say there are several thousand promises, literally, in here for the believer. Say as a sinner... The promises are not for them. Only those who have accepted the finished work of Christ. All right, you can rest your Bible. So the word that James is speaking, he's not talking to the world. He's not saying, hey, guys out there in the world who don't serve Jesus, you can't be filled with envy and strife. They are already according to Jesus. And I know people, oh, boy, I didn't really want to go here, but I'm going to go here. I've been on TV shows before on radio programs where, where people say, well, we're all children of God. I go, no, we're not. <laughs> well, how can you say that, Bishop John? It's because Jesus said we're not. Jesus said some people are the child of the devil. <laughs> See, uh, I'm losing some of y'all in here like, wait a minute. I'm only, see, if you were mature, that wouldn't have fit you. Tell your neighbor, touch your neighbor, say stage two. <laughs> Jesus said, you will do the works that your father, the devil, does. Now, it is true that God created mankind. But not all of mankind follow after the creator. The moment they don't follow him, they're no longer attached to him. Did you know what Jesus said about even disciples? Can I quote you? Go back and read John 8 whenever you get a moment. He said, you're my disciples. He put it this way, and I'm quoting. He said, if you abide in my word, and my word abides in you. Now, if that's too much old English for you, it just simply means that if my word is really in you, and it continues to stay in you, I'm quoting Jesus. He said, then are you my disciples indeed? 
What does that imply? It means that if I don't continue in his word, come on, then I'm not his disciple indeed. Those are the words of Jesus. And where I'm trying to get each of you to is at, at, at such a level of maturity that you can have this conversation with other people and the world without one offending them at least intentionally offending them because they're going to be offended. But, but we are called to be the salt and the light. And if the church doesn't talk about the truth, then how will the world know where the truth is? And we're not honest because most of us are not courageous enough to talk like this. But, and I, I know you always hear me say it, you, you can disagree, but you don't have to be disagreeable. You can have a proper argument. Well, Bible, I, the Bible don't say argue. Yes, it does. You need to read all of James. Uh, Jude as well. Jude put it this way, and I, I love this one chapter. He said this. He says, the believer is called to contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the older believers. The word contend is a military term. It means get into the battle and fight for what you believe in. Most of the church is not willing to fight because you've allowed the world to tell you we're not supposed to fight. Now, I'm not talking about fighting. There is some fighting that is necessary. My pastor, no, we need to turn the cheek. You need to study your Bible. If someone breaks in your house and got a gun and your children and grandchildren and nieces and nephews are there, you ain't going to come on in and praise the Lord. I'm gonna no, you're not going to do that. Get real, people. There's a time, Solomon said, for everything under the sun. There's a time to kill. There's a time to, oh, Lord. I didn't know he was going there, but, but again, I'm trying to mature you. And sometimes scriptures will challenge us to make sure that we are who we say that we are. So again, please write those two words down and, and, and you're going to get it. Now, I want to take you somewhere really quick because I, I thought about this and, and the Lord really dealt with me on this one parable. Turn with me if you don't mind. I believe it's over in Matthew's gospel. It is. Matthew, the 20th chapter. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew... The 20th chapter, I want you to see this strife and this jealousy thing lived out here. But I want you to see it through the words of Christ because Jesus is telling the story. I love this story. I, I just think it's really powerful. Let's go to the NLT, not the TLB. <laughs> there really is a TLB, people. I was really, really reading it. You know, somebody, he missed reading the Bible. It's just in a different translation, that's all. So let's go to the NLT. There it is. Verse number one. Just You don't have to read this, but I'm going to do the majority of this. I want you to see this entire parable. I'm going to stop and begin to give some sort of explanation here. Hear what the Lord said. Now remember, and you want to write this down, especially if you're new in the word. Uh, please write this down. Wherever you see the word kingdom, please write it down. Is where we get our English translated word government from. So every time you read in the scripture kingdom, you can always think of it in some sort of governmental structure. Now, don't just think of it in the sense of the United States of America, but just think of it in the sense of this, the Lord is speaking about government. So when we see the word kingdom, he's literally saying, whenever he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like, he's saying, this is how my government is run. So, and that's all I want to make sure that you get. So let, let your eyes follow me as I read this in the NLT here. He says, for the government or the, the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. 
He agreed to pay the normal daily wage, and he then sent them out to work. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around. Now, understand something. The Hebrew day, you may want to write this down because I'm going to give you a spiritual analogy. I really believe it's going to help you. The, the Hebrew day started when the sun came up. So make sure you get that. Because when the Lord said he went out and he was doing this hiring, or at least the story that he's telling, he was saying at the crack of dawn, he had begun to hire a group of people. I want y'all to follow this because this ties into strife, jealousy, or, or envy. It's all the same uh, w- when I give it to you this way. He says, for the kingdom or the government of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning uh, to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and he sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around and they weren't doing anything. So he hired them telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. And then at noon, everyone say at noon. Again, at three o'clock. So note this, there's four different instances here. He's been going out at the crack of dawn, nine o'clock, and, and, and now he's dealing with some, a whole other group of people. He says uh, at the end of the day, so he went out and at noon and then again at three o'clock. Now, I need you all to put yourselves in this position. Imagine the Lord comes to you. Sami may come, if I were to break this this sanctuary down in groups, and this section, y'all had to work at 6 in the morning. This section over here, y'all had to work at 9 in the morning. Part of this section had to work at 12, and another section had to go to work at 3 o'clock. Now, watch this. Jesus hires you and tells you, I'm going to pay you what is right. I want y'all to follow this because some of you are going to see yourselves here in just a moment. So he's telling this, and note how I love this. This is so powerful. He says again, go back up to verse 5. So they went to work in the vineyard at noon, and again at 3, he did the same thing. Watch verse 6. At 5 o'clock, how many know the sun is almost down? (laughs) At 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again, and he saw some more people standing around. He asked them, Why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one has hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman, hey, call the workers in. In other words, today of work is over, right? You all following me? So watch this. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them. Beginning with the last workers first. So he's paying the guys and girls that had worked at 5 o'clock. How many know, depending on what time of year it is, the sun sets pretty quick. How many know here in the winter, 5 o'clock, is it's about over. About 30 more minutes is a done deal. Even with uh, daylight savings times, uh, you only have about another hour. You say, well, if it was July, okay, you, you the deep ones in. All right? That's all right. Here we go. So that evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. Watch this. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received how much? Partial pay. Only a fragment of what everybody else got paid. They received how much? A whole day's salary. Touch your neighbor and say, I don't like where this is going. Come on. I know some of you all already antsy in your pants. All right, here we go. 
He says that evening told the foreman to call them in. He says and pay them beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. Verse 10, when those hired first came to get their pay. Oh God, here we go. What's the next two words there? I didn't say it. But some of y'all that's only been saved two minutes thought it. <laughs> the rest of y'all, I don't know why y'all pretending. I just can't believe he said. It's amazing to me the level of hypocrisy some of y'all operate in. You all would look at me for saying what you're thinking. And because I give voice to it, I'm the problem. That's like going and eating a big cake and getting mad because there's sugar in it. And you put on weight and you blame the cake. Don't blame the cake. You the one who cut the thing open and ate it. I just can't believe he would say the calories are in the cake. You knew that before you ate it. Watch this. Let's go back to the verse. Verse 10. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. Verse 11. So when they received their pay, note the next thing they did. They took it to the streets. There's a revolution. I'm talking yellow jackets. I'm talking about a march on Washington. Don't do it, pastor. Too late. They begin to protest. Tell your neighbor Jesus is about to heal you and you don't even know it yet. <laughs> when they received their pay, they protested to the owner. And notice what they said. Those people only worked an hour. And yet, you've paid them just as much as you paid us. We've been out here all day. And it's been hot. It's scorching heat. Note how Jesus tells the story. He answered them, friend. <laughs> Some of y'all wouldn't have gotten that. He answered them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I'm just reading what it says. Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Come on, don't get tired. Let's read the next verse. Should you be what? There's James 4 right there, people. Stage two, if you are always concerned with somebody else is getting, and you, watch this, I got to go here, and you, if you always, let me give you a word you can identify with, write this down, it's called playing the victim. If you know anybody on your row, you ain't got to sit next to them. Anybody that plays victim, 
you are in stage two. Hmm. I'm going to help some of you if you let me. Christians, listen to me. You can't act the way the world acts. Because you've been purchased with blood that they also have access to if they will accept it. But your attitude, because know what Jesus is dealing with. He didn't, this one, people, this wasn't about money. This was about a principle. This is about a person that feels they don't get what's due to them. And they take it out on someone else. Can I give you another word for it? Please write it down. I'm glad you said yes. It's called the word insecurity. If you operate in a spirit of insecurity, your first proclivity is to control what doesn't belong to you. Preach in here, preacher. If you have, and I'm not talking to anyone in particular, so don't leave here and write me some crazy email. I will read it, but I won't respond. When a person operates with this strife and envy, they're operating in a sense of insecurity because they can't control what Jesus was paying somebody else. And because you can't control it, you protest, watch this, against the person that's blessing you in the first place. Go farther. You cannot <clears throat> receive from God if you're protesting against the God that is blessing you in the first place. Well, they overlooked me, Pastor, at my job. You don't know your word. Promotion doesn't come from the East or the West. But if you're a believer, your promotion comes from God. But if you blame your coworker, touch your neighbor and say stage two. Most of us operate in stage two. I wrote a piece. I'm not going to get real deep into it. You have to go find it. I did a piece once for one of the major uh, news media outlets. And I wrote a piece dealing with what I call groupthink. If you never read it, I really recommend you read it. You don't. You know one thing I'm blessed to say, and I mean this with all of my heart. Of the several hundred people that are members of this church... I'm really blessed that we have such a diverse group of people that are here. Not just ethnically, that's simple. But I, I'm, I'm blessed that we, we all don't think the same. I, I, I like people around me think, just please think out of the box. Don't think it because I think it. Think it because it's the right way to think. Think it because the principle is right. Now, what pastor said, no, no. If pastor says something that God ain't saying, don't you dare say then what pastor says. I am entitled to my opinion. Some of you all may like pork. Let me see all the porkers in here. Come on, you might as well get yourself free. Go ahead. Go ahead, Elder. There you go. Elder, that, this is my main man. These, are, these men are working with me. And, and when I go out with them, they have no shame in ordering that swine. Part rat, part dog, and the rest is cat. But bless God, that's what they like. <laughs> I don't sweat it. That was a pun for some of you. Where's my son Malcolm? You caught that, Mac? 
Mac, my son Malcolm is the king of puns. I can't keep up with him. He can just get these puns all the time. I caught that one, no Mac. Somebody, they didn't, they didn't catch it. I said, I don't sweat it. The reason I said that is because pigs don't sweat. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, well, why do they say sweat like a pig? It's a, forget it. I ain't got time for an English lesson in here. <laughs> so when we go out, there's a diverse climate. I prefer fish or something healthy that don't have parasites <laughs> that can. <laughs> Dr. Gans wants me to go on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. When you think, listen, look at pastor. When you think the way the world thinks, you're in stage two. Paul says that you and I, we are called, look, look at pastor. We are called, according to Romans 12 and 1, we're called to be separate. Even though we're in the world, he says, but we're not part of the same fabric. He said, yeah, we live in it, we work in it, but we don't act like it. It's in darkness, we're in the light. He says, so let your light so shine that men will know your father because of your good deeds. So yet we're in the world, but we're not acting like the world. Listen, believer, we can't think the world thinks. I don't care if it's on news issues, whatever it is. The believer has to have, please write this down. If you're ever going to leave stage two, please write this down. You must have the mind of Christ. What does Jesus say about these issues? I didn't know Jesus even had a position pastor on it. You got to just study. You, you, you'll get out of stage one. That ain't even stage two. You're still drinking milk. You don't know what's going on. Long as mama feeds you, put you next to her, and you hear the little heartbeat. Parents, y'all know what I'm talking about. Babies can get the cool on when they're laying on the chest of where the nourishment is coming from. They hear that heartbeat, they fade on out. That's why some of y'all have gotten older. You don't even realize it. That's why some of y'all gotten older, and if you have a tin roof on your top, and you hear the sound of that rain, Come on, I'm talking in here to somebody. Now, some of y'all are too young to even know what this is about. You've never, you never been under 10. How many 10 roofers know what I'm talking about? You hear that rain? You going right on out. You, are, you have actually reverted. <laughs> oh, I've studied this thing. I know what I'm talking about. We, we, we are people of patterns. Please hear me. I got to close here, but I want you to hear my heart. The Christian must have a different perspective in every area of our lives. Whether it's climate control, whether it, whatever the topic is, you better know what the mind of Christ is. And regardless of where the world is going, you better say what Jesus is saying or else you're going to always stay stuck in the second gear, stage two. Well, pastor, if I do that, that's going to make me on the out with people. That's getting out of stage two. See, if you're concerned that, oh, God, I knew I was going to drop the bomb. See, if you're concerned with people and what people feel and think about you, listen, look at Pastor, you'll never do the will of God. Because what you're doing, you're doing what Paul said. He said, you have become men pleasers more than God pleasers. You're more concerned with the fanfare, whether or not they will applaud you for your wonderful Christianity. Do you not know that Jesus said, if the world hates me? I'm just quoting what he said. Don't get upset. Jesus said, if the world hates me, it's going to hate you. Listen, if you can't stand to be hated, 
you're still in stage two. If what you do is always seeking the approval. See, the re notice, if you go back and read what I just gave you out of Matthew, the Bible says, when Jesus is telling the story, it didn't say one person protested. He said, and they protested. That means the whole group thinking <laughs> echelon of these hirees, they had gotten together, watch pastor, and formed them a quick union. And now they're protesting. Ain't it funny? Do y'all hear scripture in there? Misery. If you're miserable, you're always going to like being around folk that are miserable with you. Ladies, help. Come on. Please get a, keep the person as a friend, but tell them we got to raise the bar, honey. I just can't sit around and talk about your bad world all day long. Can, can we get some, can we get a solution at least? I'll give you 50 minutes, but man, can we get a solution at the end of this? Because if you're only going to keep telling me the problem, I'm in stage two with you now. You done bought me down. And so if we're ever going to grow up, we got to have an answer. So when you go in to talk, if there's no remedy, no restoration, you're still in stage two. Touch someone on the shoulder and tell them it really is time to begin to mature here. Come on. So... Je Jesus said that these people were filled with jealousy because they wasn't getting what they thought was due to them. Pastor, I love the Lord, but it seemed like when I came to the house of Jesus and started serving the Lord, my life went downhill. At least I had a boyfriend, yeah, but he's beating you, dogging you out, and now you want to blame Jesus for what you don't have. Oh, I just miss him. What you miss? The beat down? I I'm, I'm just asking questions. Ethan, don't laugh. Don't leave. Don't leave, Ethan. Don't look. He's got his little finger up. He's an old Baptist boy. He done tipped out of here. And his wife, Dr. Morgan, is going, you might as well stay in here. He's, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. My mind goes too quick. <laughs> now, if they get offended and leave, I'm leaving the church. Pastor said what he said, and I'm out. Stage two. <laughs> when people leave, your life because you won't compromise with them you better know you're leaving stage two everybody cannot fly with you honey you're leaving the buzzard position and you're moving into the eagle position everybody can't fly with eagles i studied eagles i didn't know this about an eagle until about seven years ago I didn't know that an eagle will be so pestered by whatever little thing is trying to take his food. The eagle won't even fight it. The eagle just go up to another level. And that bird can't follow him because they can't breathe up there. When you, when you operating in stage three, stage two folk are beneath you. <laughs> oh, God. I wish you see some of your faces. Y'all are like, mm. let's do a quick test. Grab someone by the hand and ask them, what stage are you in again? trying to get y'all free man that's all I'm trying to do I'm telling you it's a beautiful place to be in a place when people lie and slander you can fly above it can I help you if you always address your critics 
you're still in stage two. You might as well write it down. Don't just say, man, write that one down. If you must address your critics, you're still in stage two. Where's Sister Kim? Uh, is, is she here at Vince or did she fly back? Oh, she's still here in the back. Kim and, Kim and Stacy, Stacy's out working today. They're over all my social media stuff because I don't have the insight. The, I don't have a whole lot to do. I just, that's way on a whole nother plateau for me. But I made a pact with them. They handle that. We get a lot of, a lot of hate. I know it's hard for y'all to believe. But I get hate. I get stuff that's so filled with hatred. I have been called everything except a blood-washed believer. Trust me. I've been called, I mean, all the time. I'm called names at some. Now, I made a pact with them, and I said this. Here's the deal. We can do the social media under a couple conditions. One, I'm never going to respond to my critics. So no matter what and how much they hate me, I refuse to respond. <laughs> some of y'all want to respond. I'm not saying that that's stage two. Because sometimes a response is necessary for some. Because sometimes you can help people. I, I get that. But I'm, I can't sit all day on Facebook and respond to these people who call in me names. And a whole lot. I don't have that kind of. It's funny to me. I, if, if, if y'all, can I help some of y'all? When I, now, I didn't say I didn't read it. No, don't get it twisted. I read it, but I do it for a different purpose than you think. I read it because I enjoy watching my critics squirm. I don't know. It's, Dr. Gans, you may have to diagnose me. There's something in my nature that watch, I love watching Elder Jerry seeing my enemies be perplexed. I don't know what's wrong with me. Look at your neighbor and say, the same thing wrong with my pastor is wrong with you if you say amen too loud. I have, I have people that I love watching send me repeatedly stupid stuff. Can, can, can I tell y'all why? Because it lets me know they're paying attention. Hear me. If you have to put every critic to rest... You're still in stage two. So if people talk about you, if your ex talks about you. Oh God, I better hide behind this podium here. If they're talking about you and you've got to have your point of the view heard, stage two. Yeah, but you don't understand. No, 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 no. Don't tell me what I don't understand. That's another stage two. When you tell people what they don't understand and you don't understand what they understand. That's still stage two. See, the moment you sink to where they are, you go down from where you are and you're condescending because something in you have not raised up yet to realize that you are more wonderful than trying to prove a point. But they're telling my whole family, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Let them talk. My question is, is it true? Well, if the answer is no, why are you wasting your time? Have you not read Nehemiah? Nehemiah said, I'm doing a good work. I'm not coming down to deal with these folk. <laughs> Stage two makes you want to deal with everything. So if you can understand how jealousy works. 
I got to close. Jealousy is a deep thing. I heard my, my parents say this. I was a little fellow. I may have told this here publicly. And I, I have. I have. Now that I'm saying the story, I, I realize I've said it. But I think it bears to be repeated. I was a little fella, real, real small. I don't know, six, seven, memory kind of had, maybe five, six, seven, somewhere in that window. And my best friend, who's unfortunately dead now, um, I heard my, I walked in on my mom and dad talking once. And they were talking about him, but they were talking about his father. And, and I never forget this. I was so small. They said, well, and they didn't know I was there. Parents, be careful what you say. Your children may be behind. I wasn't peeking, but I just happened to walk in. It was like almost choreographed. I happened to walk in, and, and I heard, I don't know if it was my father or mother, to be honest, but one of them said, well, that's just because he's jealous. And they were speaking of the father who is jealous of the son. But we, the son and I, we're, like I said, five, six, seven years of age. And I just abruptly spoke because that's who I am. And, and so... <laughs> I said, he can't be jealous of him. I said, because he don't like his girlfriend. Because in my mind, jealousy could only be a boyfriend-girlfriend thing. And I, it was my mother then replied. I don't know if it was my mother who said it, but my mom replied and said, Aubrey, when you get older, you'll understand what I mean. I said, but he can't be jealous of him because he's got a wife and, and, and he, speaking of my friend, that ain't his, his, his mom ain't his girlfriend. And so that just can't happen. As I got older, oh, I'm going to drop a bomb. I learned that sometimes parents, check yourself, can be jealous of your own children because they may remind you of the other spouse you don't like. And your resentment and strife has made you dislike this one because he or she acts too much like the person you don't like. You become jealous of that relationship with that child to that parent because you don't have it preaching here. And if you don't get that thing together, you'll stay in stage two. Sometimes children are even jealous of their parents. I wish I had time to get into that. It's a deep thing. I've seen it a lot, especially pastoring. I watched, I watched children who are adults, they're jealous of their parents because their parents have been successful. I'll just drop a little bit here. And they feel that the parents should give them more with their grown self. You draw the line and they challenge you as the father, mother, I can't believe you drawing the line on me. I can't believe you don't want me to be around you. I can't believe I, I can't live here. You're 90. What's wrong with you? Yeah, but I've been here taking care of the house. They could have hired somebody to do all that laundry that you halfway do. See, we look at the symptom, but we never, like Jesus, we never deal with the heart. There's a jealousy because they didn't do what they were told or should have or could have done. And now that they didn't do it, they are still bringing you into the mix. Watch it, parents. If you ain't careful, you operate in stage two by allowing them, come on in here, to dictate to you how you should respond. 
Don't you go through no guilty trip when you got grown folk, gray head, all in their head, and they're talking about what you want to do. Tell them, I love you with the love of the Lord. However, if you don't like, thank you. If you don't like what's going on in this house with your whole self, say it loud. If you don't like it, I love you in Jesus' name. But maybe it's time after you being 90 years of age, maybe you need to get your own place, honey. I feel a Baptist preacher coming on. <laughs> Let's go back to the end of the verse. Can we go back to James? I'm going to end with these two verses. Let's go back to James. Let's go back to James. I'm just trying to help some of you all. Some of y'all are looking at me like, he, he must have been talking to somebody. Because I, I ain't talked to him. Let's go back to James 3 one more time. James 3. It, it'll help y'all if you let it. Tell, lean over and tell your neighbor, if you get in the word, it'll deliver your soul. Pick you up and make you whole. James 3. Let's go back one more time. Let's go back one more time. Can I show you the end of this here? I hope you get it. I'm just going to start at 16. I'm going to end at 18. For wherever there's jealousy, for wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition... There you're going to find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, it's pure. It is also peace-loving. It's gentle every now and then. Just like making sure y'all paying attention at all times. And it's willing to watch this. Oh, God, here's a sign that you're leaving stage two. It yields to others. Tell your neighbor, it ain't always about you. Come on, look at somebody else and tell them it ain't always about you. Tell them as wonderful as you are. <laughs> tell them any other wisdom. According to James, tell them it's from the pit of hell. So if it's all about you, you operating out the pit, honey. God, it's tight up in here. I'm going to heal y'all. But this wisdom, but the wisdom from above is First of all, it's pure. It's also peace-loving, general. I'm, I'm sorry, gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy. And I love this part. This part, this part, Dr. Harris, really, really caught my eye several weeks ago. It says, and the fruit of the good deeds. One of the translations literally says, and the, and the fruit that is produced from the seed of wisdom. In other words... If, if you're really operating without strife or if you're not operating in stage two, watch this. You have fruit in you. And note what James, the brother of Jesus, said about this fruit. I love this. This blessed me personally. I, I just couldn't get enough. He said, it is full of mercy and fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism. And it's always sincere. God, I wonder how many folk are sincere in here. When you lodge, I mean, when you greet to one another. <laughs> How you doing? I'm fine. I'm blessed of the Lord. Highly favored of God. Hallelujah. Stop. Stop. No, 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 no. Be honest. 
Well, I'm just keeping it real. I'm keeping it 100. That ain't 100. You 99. You short. You got to deal with this thing a whole different kind of a way. You got to listen. Can I help some of you? All? I'm telling you, these are biblical principles I'm giving you people. One of the best things that you could ever do in your life is get yourself a group of friends that would be 100% honest with you. Because if you don't have it, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're called to do, whether you're bishop, pastor, elder, evangelist, teacher, dog catcher. It doesn't matter. If you don't have people around you that will be honest with you, you are still operating in stage two. If the only person you can be around is the person you can control, you're operating in stage two. If they don't all agree with you, your way, no other way. I know preachers like that, not you, Pastor Lee. <laughs> hey, he's here. I got to pick on him. He didn't get that gray hair for nothing. There are preachers the same way. If you don't go with they, they I've just never been a good, let me, how do I say this? I've never been a good group thinker. I've always been a great team player. I love to win. If we on team, man, I'm, I'm giving you 100%. I will sweat, and I'll get mad if you, if you don't pull your own weight. As a matter of fact, I won't even want, I, maybe they don't do it here. In Chicago, we did, we used to have a thing that when it was next, next game, somebody called next. Did they do that here in Florida? I don't know. We always had what was called next. And if I had already played with you a couple teams before and we lost, I ain't choosing you for my team. I don't care how much you're in my face. Come on, Aubrey, man, I'm on. I said, no, you ain't, not on my team. Man, you don't like to win. Oh, man, you going to be like that? Yeah, dog, I'm like that. I'm going to win, man. You ain't hustling. Uh, I can beat you. I said, call next. <laughs> Everybody needs, listen, listen, I got to close. Everybody needs a team that you can be transparent with. That you can just be vulnerable. I didn't, now, I better clarify that, Lord. Because if I don't clarify, some of y'all going to leave here thinking you own the team. and you Ain't on no team. That's not about getting together with a group of people to talk about somebody. That's not what that's about. As a matter of fact, get rid of those people. I didn't say stop loving them, but get them off your team. What did you hear? You know, I, I, I felt. I, I sensed. Ooh, ha-ba-ba-ba-ba. No, honey. Because my question to you is, be, did, well, didn't you go to them and say something? Because if you didn't go say, why are you waiting to get on my team to talk? Because if you're talking about them, you're talking about me. Preach! If you got something to say about them, you got something to say about me. A real teammate will be honest with you and tell you how they really feel up front before they even go to somebody else. That's teammate, man. I say, hey, got a problem, bro. You ain't hustling. Why, 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 you, why you slack? Now, if they leave the team, because you didn't have an honest mind, I feel led to go to another ministry. The Lord has called me. Now, you just said three months ago that the Lord sent you. Now, you're making the Lord schizophrenic. He don't know what he wants. He doesn't, well, my season is up. What season? You've produced no fruit in this house, and now you led to go to another house? God be with you. <laughs> and may he watch between me and thee. While we are absent one from another. Everybody needs a teammate. 
You need some folk on your team. I, I have groups of people across the country I'm totally submitted to. And they have no problem. We get in each other's grill for real, for real. If you all were a fly on the wall, you would think, ooh, them some rough characters. No, we're some honest men. I have no problem saying that's out of order. They have no problem saying to me, no, you're going in the wrong direction, bro. And I don't leave there and take my marbles and go home if you follow the metaphor. <laughs> I'm going to say this. I'm going to stop. And I'm gonna, I promise I really, really am. But if every time someone's honest with you, you take your little marbles and go home and you ain't their friend no more. Tell your, tell your neighbor stage two, honey. Stage two. All right, I'll, I'll stop. Let's, let's, Elder, come on, because they want me to keep preaching, and I just, I'm just not going to do it. I might as well blame you. Let me prove I can go in stage one here. All right, come on. I, I want y'all to see this. Let's go back to the last two verses, and we'll go home. We'll go home, I promise. I just hope y'all are getting this here. Go to the last verse, last verse. This 17 one more time, and I'll just read it all the way through. And, and again, but the wisdom from above is, first of all, it's pure and it's also peace-loving, it's gentle at all times, and it's willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it's always sincere. Here's the last verse. And those who are peacekeepers will plant seeds of peace, and they're going to reap a harvest of righteousness. When you get strife out of you, you become peaceful. When you get envy and jealousy out of you, guess what you're doing? Paul calls us ambassadors of peace, his ministers to reconcile. You have to see yourself as you're no more than a vessel, and God wants to pour through you for the sake of bringing people to him. But you got to be a willing vessel. How many are really ready to get out of stage two once and for all? Would you stand? We got to go home. We got to go home. Stand. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. And eyes are closed everywhere, everywhere. Pastor, this really hit home. I got to get out of stage two. I don't care who knows it. I just got to get out of it. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes in the spirit. One of the things why your eyes are closed, I can tell you what to help you. You got to be committed to the things of the Lord. You got to really get in here and really say, you know what? I don't care who here is to hinder me. I I'm here to do a work for the Lord and I'm not worried about the title but God knows I just want to be a part of a body a vineyard that it's active it's alive it's doing something and the only way you can do it is not join a church you got to first join with Jesus because joining a church will not change any of this but giving your heart to the Lord will be the beginning of the seed that will change the whole thing heads about and eyes are closed pastor I want to accept Jesus into my heart and I really want to start living for him if what I just said, you know that that should be your testimony. That should be something you're saying. Pastor, I want to begin to live for the Lord, and I want to begin today really living for Him, not just with my mouth, not just with my mouth, but with my life, with my actions. If I'm speaking to you, would you lift up your hand? Don't worry about being embarrassed. If you're embarrassed, then you're still dealing with stage two. I see hands that are raised. I see hands that are raised. That's beautiful. No one looking except for my leaders. <clears throat> no one's looking except for my leaders. There's only one other group I want to pray for. When you really are leaving stage one and stage two, according to the scripture, it's necessary to be planted, have to have a church home. All of us do. Jesus is the one who created the idea. It actually goes back even in the book of Genesis. 
And you can see it lived out over and over in 66 separate books where the tribes of Israel came together, always meeting at a certain time. There's nothing new under the sun. Don't be a lone ranger. You can't be. We're called to be united one with another. Every man and every woman under the sound of my voice, you must have a church home. And when you do, you'll begin to reap the fruits of righteousness and you'll see a harvest that you've never seen before. So my heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm already going to pray for the four that lifted up their hands who want to give their lives to the Lord. But the next group I want to open up for are those that say, Pastor, I believe the Lord has sent me here and I want to become part of this local ministry. I want to grow with it. If I'm talking to you while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please lift your hands high that I can see it. If there are any that are here, are there any that are here? I see a hand in the back. Are there any others that are here? Are there any others that say, I want to become a member of the ministry here? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. First, we're going to do the most important thing. Those that know that you need to accept Christ into your heart, this is worth every minute of this moment. Would you pray this prayer with me? And you need to pray it out loud. Why? Jesus said, if you will confess him, then when it's your time, he'll confess you before the Father. So everyone that needs Jesus in his or her heart, I want you to pray this prayer. And those of you that have already prayed this prayer, I want you to pray this prayer with them. Your voice will give their voice strength. Say with me, everyone. Father, forgive me of all my sins, every transgression. Say, I believe over 2,000 years ago, Jesus died. Three days later, he was resurrected. And I believe the same blood that was shed on that rugged cross still has power to wash my sins away. Jesus, wash my sins away and come into my heart. Empower me. Fill me with your spirit that I may do your will. Cause every supernatural gift to come alive in my heart and I surrender my whole life to you right now. If you prayed that prayer, then put your hands together all over. Come on, come on, come on. We hope this message has been a blessing in your life. To hear more inspiring, transformative messages, visit glorytoglory.org and make sure you follow and like us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.